podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012 the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Thank you for joining us on this Monday morning. Well, Monday or whenever you're listening to it. I am Philip Slavin. As usual, my good friend Andy Mitz is joining me here because Monday means we're talking hoops and folks. There may only be two games left in the regular season, but there is still a lot to play for and a lot to talk about. Before we get to it, let's two things. First off, of a very fun interview with Christine Butterfield, a sideline warning podcast, also is a intern at the franchise in Oklahoma covering the Thunder. Uh, she is here to talk OU hoops and some OU players at the Combine. Had a really good conversation with her, so that's coming up in a few minutes. Uh, one other thing to note about basketball, I think this is kind of leads into what we're going to talk about, Andy, you and me, and that's there are a few things that are decided as far as the Big 12 tournament goes already. Kansas State is the 10th seed. That will not change. They are in the 10th spot. Oklahoma State and Iowa State will face off in the 8-9 game. That is decided. Everything else, folks, there is still a ton up for grabs. That even means, yes, Kansas currently is the outright lead in the conference, but they still have a couple of games left. They've still got a, a game at Texas Tech that could trip them up. There's a lot still on the line. Andy, uh, let's just jump in with this. Looking at the standings at this point, we've got Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech, OU, Texas, West Virginia, TCU. What what stands out to you the most right now? Oh, gosh. I mean, it's hard to pick one that stands out the most, but I, I think it's something that you actually had tweeted a little bit before we started recording, which is that um, Oklahoma and Texas still both have legitimate shots at getting the three seed in the Big 12 tournament. Um, the fact that Texas Tech has fallen so far um, and that Oklahoma and Texas have both kind of turned it on after we both lost faith in them, um, you know, throughout the, the middle portion of the season. But Oklahoma going in and destroying West Virginia was was ridiculous. And Texas doing the same thing on the road at Texas Tech um, 
those were two huge road wins for both of those teams. Yes, it was shocking that Baylor lost to TCU. Um, and, and I, you know, I was definitely surprised that how, how close that Kansas, Kansas state game was. Um, but the fact is like, I think the most intriguing portion of this race is the fact that there's so many teams bunched up in the middle now. Yeah. You know, let, let me just say this. I, I dog on Texas a lot and shock is smart. Let me give just take a moment and give them their due. You know, they had a four game losing streak, got blown out at Iowa state. You know, it, it, it looked like it was done. The season was over. didn't matter. And now they've won four in a row, including back-to-back games over ranked opponents, beating West Virginia at home, going on the road to Lubbock and beating Texas Tech in a very impressive performance. I watched a good portion of that game. I was very impressed by how they looked. Uh, And Texas puts themselves still out on the wrong side of the bubble. I don't think they're even of the next four out variety at this moment. They're still, I believe... uh, 68th or 58th in, in the net rankings. Um, let me double check that. Yeah, 58, 58. You want to be top 50 to get in, to feel comfortable. They're 58th. It's not terrible, but that still has a lot of ground to make up. Um, and yet they could potentially be the three seed in the Big 12 tournament, which is insane. I mean, it's, it tells you how weird the Big 12 has been this year and kind of how down it is outside of Baylor and Kansas. Um that, that Texas at 18 and 11 overall and at eight and eight in conference play, if they win their last two could potentially be the three seed in the big 12 tournament. That's insane. It's, it's just, it's just crazy to me. Well, if they win their last two, I'll go as far as to say that they will be the three seed because Texas tech has Baylor and Kansas coming up this week. Um, I have to think they're going to lose at least one of those. And depending on how the tiebreakers shake out, um, I, I, I'm not exactly sure what it would be, um, look kind of looking, uh, yeah. I mean, just looking at it cause Texas tech will have lost both to Baylor and, and Kansas. Well, I'm sorry. I take that back. If Texas tech wins one of those, then they would end up being the three seed. Um, even if they tie with Texas, because they would have a better record against the top two teams in the conference than, than Texas would, but still like just the fact that they are in that position and, and Joe Lunardi actually has Texas as the you know the very last of the next four out groups so they are back in the bubble discussion very clearly now if they win those last two games you have to feel like they're going to bump themselves into kind of that last four in kind of range there um they will still need a big win in the big 12 tournament um but you know that that could still potentially be kind of there for them playing whoever the fifth seed is might be enough to do it especially if they can keep it close against kansas um you know, because I'm, of course, assuming that Kansas is going to end up being the one seed and, and that Texas will probably be the four seed if they were to win both of those games. And so, I mean, you know, it's definitely um, definitely an, an interesting end of the season. You know, we had talked even just a week and a half ago, I think it was, um, you know, saying that it looked like Texas was doing or Shaka was doing his normal thing where he goes on a run at the end of the year, kind of racks up a bunch of wins. Um, that don't ultimately mean anything, but they're at the point now where they're actually playing themselves back into the tournament discussion, which, you know, if, if you're looking for a reason to keep Shaka because of that huge buyout, this, I think, gives them enough that they can say, look, he made a big run. They kind of started to put it together, and unfortunately, they just weren't able to get over the hump, you know, assuming they don't make the NCAA tournament. Or if he gets them into the NCAA tournament, that in and of itself, I think it's going to be enough for them to decide that they can go ahead and give it another year um, and and kind of see how he does next year before trying to cut ties. No, I I agree. I think 
look, it's crazy, but I mean, look at the the two. Here's the here's the games left for the three teams in that three four five spot. Texas Tech has at Baylor and then home for Kansas on Saturday. OU has Texas at home, followed by a road game at TCU, and Texas has to go to Oklahoma and they get Oklahoma State at home. Um, look, none of these games are gimmies. TCU is actually a difficult is a is a hard team to beat on the road and OU is not good enough to just show up and assume they're going to win. Oklahoma State is obviously playing a lot better than they were. I know that game is in Austin and the way their Texas is playing, I would absolutely give them the edge, but Texas is going to have to go to Norman and beat an OU team that's playing far better. And and for Tech, you got to go to Baylor and beat Kansas. I know Baylor just lost to TCU. Do you really want to have to go to Waco and face a Baylor team that's coming off a loss at TCU? I don't. I don't I don't like that. And then they get Kansas at home. Uh, which will lead us into our conversation about what's concerning me at Kansas, but I have a hard time picking. I mean, I know Lubbock is a, has become a, an amazing atmosphere and that Chris Beard has really built something there at Tech. Kansas is still really stinking good, and this is a good Texas Tech team and one that in, you could see getting this win, but the way their offense has been this last couple games, their offense is struggling, and if they can't find it, that's not, that's not going to be enough to beat Kansas even at home, even with the crowd on their side. So, these games this week are big. I think uh, the Texas Tech Baylor game is big, but that OU Texas game is huge for both those teams. I mean, OU currently, if you look at, at Lenardi, OU is in that 11 seed play in game against USC. Texas is, as Andy mentioned, among the next four out. So that, that Red River game on Tuesday night is huge. That is going to definitely be one you're going to want to watch if you're really wanting to pay attention to the Big 12. Now we mentioned Kansas, obviously um, some a bit of a scare on Saturday in Manhattan. Uh, Azabuki seemed to get a, a slight injury. He he maybe it's just an ankle tweak. Don't know for sure. I mean, it was a scary moment when I saw it because my first inclination was, oh damn, there goes Kansas' national title hopes. Um, but he seemed like he came he came back out from the locker room. He seemed to be a little bit better. Um, what do you know, Andy, about about the state of Azabuki at the moment, and how do you feel following that injury? Yeah, so Self gave a quote at the Special Olympics um, on, on Sunday, and he was saying that it was just an ankle, like like a sprain, essentially, uh, and it seemed to be a mild sprain. There was no break. He's in a walking boot kind of protective measure. But, you know, Marcus Garrett's been in a walking boot pretty much all year long um, outside of actually playing in games, and he seems to, you know, be no worse for wear at this point so it's not something that i'm expecting to be a long-term issue it could be potentially an issue for them this wednesday when they have senior night against tcu and obviously if 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 azubuki is not able to play that's gonna really suck you know to for him to not be able to play on his senior night um but it has i think bigger implications for the game coming up this weekend against texas tech because if you don't have azubuki there and you're going into Texas Tech, and Texas Tech is trying to hold on to the three seed in, in the in the Big 12 tournament, Like that could be a very, very dangerous environment. The other thing that kind of goes with that, though, if, if Texas Tech upsets Baylor on Monday um, and Kansas wins on Wednesday, or even if Kansas wins on Wednesday, you know, even after Baylor wins, like if they've already wrapped up at least a share of the Big 12 title, they may just play it safe and, you know, maybe let Azubuki play a little bit if he's feeling okay, but like, there's a very real possibility that Azubuke may not play in that game on Texas Tech, depending on how he does against TCU, depending on kind of the whole health issue. And then if they're resting him, you know, in the Big 12 tournament, like this could have huge implications in terms of the Big 12 tournament, 
Um, you know, we've actually seen that in years past where, where Kansas lost in the quarterfinals to TCU because they were resting guys, they were dealing with injuries, they weren't really taking it that seriously, just trying to get to the NCAA tournament. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a big deal that, that Azubuki got injured, and it had a huge effect on the Kansas State game because he came back in the second half, played for a couple minutes, couldn't really give it a go, an honest go on it, was afraid he was going to injure himself more, so they pulled him out. He actually sat for a large portion of that second half there, which in turn is what kind of made that game as close as it was. I was I was a little shocked. I was actually watching the game, and I didn't realize um, until I looked up about halfway through the second half and then went back and saw how long Azubuki had been out um, that it was actually more of a serious injury than I than, than I originally thought it was. Um, but long-term effects, it doesn't appear that there are going to be too many. They may be a little careful with him, just given Kansas' history of big guy getting hurt right before the NCAA tournament and how that kind of torpedoes their, their chances. They're going to do everything they possibly can to make sure he is completely healthy going in the um, end into the NCAA tournament, because honestly, at this stage, that's the most important game that they have coming up next is getting into that NCAA tournament. No, agreed. Look, they're they're in. Um, I think they would they would feel good if they could be the number one overall seed to lock up Indianapolis as as their overall region. Um, that would benefit them. Obviously, they could likely going to be playing their opening round games in Omaha, which is good. But at Kansas, you want to you want to be as close to home as as much as you can. So that's big. Um, so looking at this week ahead, obviously we mentioned uh, Texas Tech traveling to Baylor on Monday for a big game for both teams. Baylor looking to bounce back. Texas Tech trying to bounce back as well. Um, West Virginia at Iowa State, a game on Tuesday that you would think wouldn't be a big deal, but this is a West Virginia team that's won one game away from Morgantown this year. Um, and I know Iowa State's not very good, but this is also a West Virginia team that got just about blown out at Kansas State. West Virginia is in a very precarious situation at the moment. They're still very good in the net standings, despite the fact that they've had a bit of a slide here. They're 21st overall in the net, but they're 19 and 10 with seven and nine in big 12 play, which is insane to me. And they've lost three in a row, including at TCU at Texas and Oklahoma. And they lost six of their last seven, only one coming at home to Oklahoma state, West Virginia at this point, which is insane to say, is on the precipice of maybe falling as far as to a 10 or 11 seed in the NCAA tournament. This is a team that was a two seed a couple of months ago. Okay. Um, at Iowa State. More like a month ago. Yeah. I mean, yes. Honestly, like a month ago, they were a two seed. And now you've got a road game at Iowa State that they absolutely have to win. And then you have a home game against Baylor, which you'd like to do to help kind of right the ship. And this is a team that, I mean, at the moment, they're seventh in the Big 12 standings tied with TCU. Okay. That's I I don't I don't I don't even I don't even, I don't even know what to say about that. Like I have no idea what has happened to this team other than the fact that their offense has just completely disappeared. Um, defense isn't playing as well, and you combine all of that, and it's just it's just disappointing to see. I I'm a little uh, like it, it, at one point it was just kind of fun to call West Virginia a first round upset. Now they're going to be such a low seed; it's not even an upset anymore. They're just going to be a a dog. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's crazy to think that it is at least um, somewhat probable that they could, assuming that they can't figure out their road woes, lose to Iowa State, lose 
at or I'm sorry, lose at home against Baylor and then potentially being the seventh seed in the in the Big 12 tournament, if they lose that game against Kansas State, like theoretically they could be playing in like the last four, you know, in or even potentially not making the NCAA tournament. I mean, you know, I, I realize that it's no longer a metric of, you know, like your last 12 games or something like that. But I mean, can you honestly tell me with a straight face that a team like West Virginia that would lose essentially, let me see, that would be three more losses in a row, nine of their last 10 games with the only win being at home against Oklahoma State. I mean, regardless of all the good wins they have early in the season, a team that is in that much of a free fall, can you honestly say that you think that they're going to make the NCAA or at least be a safe, you know, inclusion in the, in the, in the NCAA tournament? I, I just don't see it. Well, no. I mean, you throw in the fact that a loss at Iowa State, even on the road, they're 89th in the net. That's not a good loss. You would finish if you lost both. They would be seven and eleven in Big Twelve play. Can you imagine a team who's that bad a record in conference play getting in despite who you beat in non-conference? Like there is a shot. Let's. I mean, really, if they lose the next three, including their first round, Big Twelve. Like I think they're out. Like I think they're looking at a very nice NIT seed, and that's about it. Like it's. I I think they go to Ames and win. I do. Like this is. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton's gone. Like I don't think this is a good Iowa State team. I, I think West Virginia can can rebound here. But oh yeah. How much can you really say about going on the road, beating Iowa State, losing to Baylor, and then still maybe being the sixth seed at best in the in but, the first round? But of the that's the thing tournament? too. Like looking at this team, Iowa State is yeah, 85th in Ken Palm. You know, 89th in the net. They're only according to Ken Palm, basically a two to one favorite to win that game on the road, which kind of highlights just how bad they've been on the road this year. If they win that game against Iowa State, I think that they're they can feel safe about being in the in the NCAA tournament, no matter what else happens. But it's going to be real dicey about where they're going to get put. And like you said, no one I think expects anything from them anymore going into the, going into the NCAA tournament. So looking ahead of the weekend, make sure you've got ESPN Plus so you can watch Baylor at West Virginia on Saturday. Other games isn't, actually... isn't that crazy? Yeah. ESPN, you know, all the stuff about ESPN Plus. West Virginia, their four games against Kansas and Baylor are, have all been on ESPN Plus this year. It's They're trying to get you – like they want you to sign up. And I see people who don't want it and don't like it, and I get it. That's fine. I'm not going to argue. I have it because I want to watch baseball and softball and stuff, and, you know – I have worse things in life to complain about than ESPN Plus. It's not great. I get it. I I hope they get it better. Uh, Iowa State, Kansas State also going to be on Saturday on ESPN Plus in case you're a fan of one of those schools because no one else is going to want to watch. That's the kind of game you expect on ESPN Plus. Exactly. Iowa State, Kansas State. Um, Saturday's got some big games. Oklahoma State at Texas. uh, Oklahoma at TCU. Like I think the only game that doesn't matter really is Iowa State at Kansas State. Otherwise, every game on the schedule on Saturday – Matters. It has a, it could have a big impact on seeding for the top six, seven, yeah, six to seven teams um, for the Big Twelve, and and whether teams could potentially get into the NCAA tournament or not. So there's a big week, uh, a lot to still play for. The next two games, very excited. Can't wait to come back and, and talk about everything again on Monday with you, Andy. Uh, Andy, everybody who wants to check out the work you do covering the Big Twelve in Kansas, where can they do so? Yeah, I'm over at Rock Chalk Talk uh, covering Kansas, also on the Land Grant Gauntlet, especially during football season. Um, and then on Twitter, you can catch my podcast at Rock Chalk Pod. Just real quick about football, um, you know, the Combine, obviously you're, you're, you've 
talked with the the guest about the OU combine. The one player that really stood out to me, and partly this is because I really only pay too much attention to Kansas players, but Akeem Adeniji, a very, very good offensive lineman for Kansas for the last four years, um, kind of lost in the shuffle of all the crap that's been going on with Kansas football. He p- performed really well at the combine. I think, and, and this is something that we were talking about before we started recording, but I do think he did himself a lot of favors of the combine, had a uh, you know above-average 40-yard um, dash time, just performed, I think, really, really well and really helped himself at the Combine this weekend. That's awesome. Yeah. Big fan of Adenogy. I thought he was one of the best offensive linemen in the Big 12 this year. Um, I think he's a draft. I think he was going to get drafted no matter what, but his performance there in Indianapolis has probably helped move him up a few draft boards. I, I would peg him as a fourth rounder. That's that's about where I think he, he goes. I think you and I agree on that, and I think that's a solid yep. landing spot for him. Uh, then it's just about... It's just about team. It's just about landing spot. So, uh, obviously, uh, combine wrapping up. Uh, that's part of our conversation with Christine Butterfield. So, uh, we're going to talk with her next. So, stick around for that. Time to talk a little sooner, and I am very excited to have Christine Butterfield. One half of the Sideline Warning podcast, uh, an intern, I believe, at the franchise, and one of my new favorite Twitter follows, because she is a gas and a hoot and uh, and a good good laugh on a regular basis. Christine, welcome to the 1012. Oh, no, thank you for having me. It's it's really good to be talking to you. I've listened to your podcast for like a while now, and so finally like getting to talk to you on a personal basis is really nice. Well, that's... I'm gonna get a little emotional. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is so sweet. It's always oh, nice no, I was getting listen. emotional at your intro. I was like, oh, that Twitter cloud. I was like, no, stop. <laughs> well, I would say you guys at the Thunder Games, um, you and uh, and Madison Morris and um, yes, yeah, I know the girls. I can't tell you the guys' names. Like, screw yeah. it. Uh, Brady. <laughs> I, I think Brady is one of them, and then you're Brady co- Trantham, Yeah. Yeah. His hair oh, is too, he's, he's too pretty. His hair is too nice. I'm just like, nah, I can't do it. It's all right. Oh, that's, I love his hair. We all love his hair. It's the, <laughs> it's the go-to joke. You know, he's very, he's very in tune with how to style it. So we give him grief for that a little bit, but great, great atmosphere with them. Like it's always fun. And, you know, we just kind of keep it light while trying to give some analysis here and there and just make sure we're all having a good time. So well, don't worry. We are. This is a podcast that has never been accused of uh, analysis paralysis, so we try and keep things fairly casual. Um, obviously, yes, you do stuff for the Thunder, but your primary is the Oklahoma Sooners, which is why you have you on here today. I want to talk a little OU basketball. Uh, we are down to the last week of the regular season. Um, I think mo- a lot of things have been decided. Kansas State's the last place team. Oklahoma yeah. State and Iowa State will be the eight nine matchup in the in the first round of the Big Twelve tournament. Uh, Kansas feels like they're going to win the Big Twelve outright again because Death Texas and Kansas wins the Big Twelve. Baylor probably going to be the two seed, barring something crazy. Uh, but then there's kind of a, a bit of a weird mess there in the middle, and that includes Oklahoma. You know, Texas Tech is nine and seven, but then you have Oklahoma and Texas at eight and eight, and West Virginia at seven and nine. Which you have told me a month and a half ago that Tech, West Virginia would be seven and nine in conference play. Uh, I, I probably would have slapped you and, and laughed as I walked away. But here we are. This is college basketball. It is what it is, uh, and it's and it's brilliant and terrible and awesome all at the same time. So Oklahoma and Texas. Oklahoma having a very nice run here after a three-game losing streak, which I can't blame them for losses to Kansas and Baylor. And I, I know, and I'll, I'll let you kind of take this before we jump into the wins. 
I'm not as upset by the loss at Oklahoma State. I don't mean that as in part I am an OSU fan, so I'll just I'll just go ahead and put that on the table. But it's more to do with I always view Bedlam as a I don't care who's better and who's not. Like whoever the home team is, I'm I'm gonna pick to win because that seems to be what happens more often than not. So if you take that into consideration, it's not as terrible a three game losing streak as most three game losing streaks. But then they turn things around beat Texas Tech at home in a, in a very nice win. Uh, obviously, Texas Tech often struggling. And then go on the road to Morgantown, which I think is, is very impressive because it's so hard. Even with West Virginia playing the way they have lately, it's hard to win in Morgantown. And for Oklahoma to go and, and pull that win out, and fairly convincingly, I mean, Oklahoma led for most of the game. I thought I thought that was incredibly impressive. So I'm, I'm curious from you, what do you— what do you take away from this last five-game stretch? What's more important, the three-game losing streak or the, the two games they've won now? I do think the two games they've won have been very impressive on how they've looked and how they bounced back from the three-game losing streak, which is why I say it's more important because they bounced back from, you know, coming off of a Kansas loss in Lawrence is something you expect, and then losing to Baylor at home, I think hit a little bit hard, but after that, and after that bedlam loss, I think the main takeaway from losing to Oklahoma State was Austin Reeves finally got back. Like, he is he was great in non-conference. He was, you know, scoring around 10 to 12 points a game, shooting behind the arc, you know, really being that key three-point shooter besides Brady Manick. And then when conference started, his confidence kind of was lacking, and he couldn't get into the games, it seemed, besides on the defensive end. But against Oklahoma State he really came alive and he was their most dependable player in that game and since that game he has been one of their main scorers their leading scorers I would say along with Brady Manick and Christian Doolittle and when those three all come in and they all play well that's all you need for them to win you saw it in Texas Tech you saw it against West Virginia when those big three play like the big three they can beat a lot of good teams in this conference and in this country. Um, I think the main reason why they beat Texas Tech was even though it was um, a quote unquote home game, it was actually at the Chesapeake Arena. So like you had like the NBA lines there and Oklahoma played against Mississippi State in that arena. So they've had practice playing in, in the NBA lines, seeing the difference in the taping. Texas Tech did not, and I think when they were looking for their shots, they were thrown off and disoriented a bit by that. And then when they just went into Morgantown, they just showed them who's boss. West Virginia doesn't have the best shooting guards, um, so they just stayed in, locked in defensively, and they just took the game out of their hands. So you mentioned Reeves. Is Who do you give the most credit to for, let's say, the kind of the turnaround here with these last two games? Is it him getting back to the play he had in non-conference, or, or is it somebody else who deserves a lot of credit? Um, that's a good question. I do. I mean, Brady Manick and Christian Doolittle have been carrying this team basically the entire season. They have been the two most consistent scorers. They have played really well defensively as well. Although when it comes to making an argument towards them making a long-term tournament run, it was very imperative that Austin Reeves came back and started showing that he was dependable and he could be a consistent shooter and that he could be a bigger role player for this team. So as far as making a deeper run in the tournament, I think it was imperative for him to start stepping up more. But as far as 
the whole team being successful, I think that falls more on Brady Manic and Christian Doolittle. So looking ahead, I think look, this Tuesday is a big game. Uh, Oklahoma facing Texas uh, in Norman. You know, obviously Oklahoma won the game on the road, but you're going up against a Texas team who's on a four-game winning streak, has also beaten back-to-back ranked teams, knocking off West Virginia and then Texas Tech on the road. And I think the Texas Tech road win is big. The way that Chris Beard has built up the fan base there in Lubbock to get that win was impressive, incredibly impressive. Um, so you got a Texas team that's coming in kind of hot. Um, and, and this is a game where, look, you look at bracketology after Saturday, most team, I think most places have Oklahoma in but just on that edge of 11 seed play and 11 seed, they're, they're not comfortable by any means whatsoever. Uh, and Texas is still on the outside looking at it. You look at the, the the latest net rankings, Oklahoma, I believe, is 48th or 42nd, which is pretty good. Top 50 is usually you feel good about getting in. Texas sitting there at 58th. So Texas has more work to do than Oklahoma. But this is a game that I think is big for both teams' tournament homes. Both teams look at this game and go, we've got it. we have to get this win if we're really going to feel comfortable out about our chances come Selection Sunday. With, with that kind of pressure, with, with that kind of importance on this game, and I know there's other games as well, but you throw in the fact that it's Red River, it's a rivalry. How, what do you kind of expect to see from Oklahoma on Tuesday? I expect them to come out hard. You know, I think they realize that they can't have any losses at this point to look like a very strong competitor. Um, I think it's going to be a, a relatively good matchup considering that Texas is on a winning streak right now and they are coming in late in the season and they've, they're starting to hit their stride, but I think Oklahoma has done such a great job of progressing themselves in a linear manner and continuously getting better with each game besides their couple of losses, you know, that we've seen. So I do think that Oklahoma should come out and win this game. I think Brady Manick needs to get hot early. Austin Reeves needs to contribute like he has been the past three games. And Christian Doolittle just needs to be more aggressive offensively, making sure he gets the shots he wants. And if Jamal Bienemy comes out like he did against West Virginia, he made a big splash there. And I think that kind of revitalized the offense a bit because sometimes it can be a little bit stagnant. And since Jamal Bienemy is one of their main ball handlers and helping move the ball around from sideline to sideline, I think if he gets involved too, I think it'll be a really good game for them. So I wonder if you're aware of this. Do you know that Oklahoma actually has a decent shot at the three seed for the Big 12 tournament? So they're eight and eight. Texas Tech is nine and seven. OU's the last two games are Texas at home and at TCU. Texas Tech's last two games for the regular season at Baylor on Monday, and then Kansas at home. Right. So Kansas at home. Yeah. So you look at that and go, it's not just NCAA tournament. It's not just Red River. Oklahoma has an opportunity to, to get a three seed. Uh, in the in the Big 12 tournament, which would, you know, that only increases your chances of trying to advance in that, maybe get some more wins and, and improve your shot at, at not only getting in the tournament, potentially having a nicer seed than the, you know, 11 seed play-in game. So, I mean, I think that puts a lot on these last two games. And I don't, you know, you look ahead to TCU. I know TCU hasn't been great this year, but you just saw them knock off Baylor on Saturday. Um, they they actually play really well at home. they it's a, they're a lot better program under Jamie Dixon and Desmond Bain. If he can, if he can get going, 
can beat some teams. So, I mean, you look at these last two games, and they're not gimmies by any stretch of the imagination, but you've got to feel, if you're Oklahoma, the way they've played the last two, that you have a real shot here to end the season on a, on a real high note and put yourself in a really good situation, not just heading into Kansas City, but heading into Selection Sunday. No, absolutely. That's a good, great point. I mean, none of these games in the Big 12 are gimme games at all. You have to come in, you have to grind them out, you have to be focused the entire game and stay locked in to get the result you want. Because if you don't and you get lackadaisical, you're going to lose. And it's not a game that you want to lose. And these last two for Oklahoma, I think, are imperative. I don't necessarily think that they're looking at these last two games and kind of looking forward to the Big 12 tournament yet. I think they're just trying to lock in these last two wins. And then they'll look forward to the Big 12 tournament after that. And then, you know, once that concludes, then they will look ahead to the NCAA tournament where, they're, where they know that they're going to get a semi-comfortable seed. So, I mean, these wins could be big for them if they want to have a bit of an easier journey in the Big 12 tournament, although I don't think that that's a focus for right now. So I want to turn to the combine just for a bit. And I'll I'll say this. Like, I enjoy the combine as much as most normal people. Like, the underwear Olympics are fun and exciting. And, and we get some big, exciting moments like the one that we'll talk about with CeeDee Lamb here in a minute. But I didn't get to take the combine from what we see on TV with a slight grain of salt. Like, the things that are most important at the combine are not the things we see. In fact, the stuff we see, to me, nine times out of ten, are probably at the bottom of, of the list of the things that are going on there in Indianapolis. Like the medical is number one, the interviews and the wonder Lake are, are, are like two or three. And, a, and then, and then what you actually test out as is the bottom. Now that doesn't say that it doesn't help and that it doesn't offer you an opportunity to improve your draft stock. Especially if you're a guy who's coming off a season where maybe you're injured for half the season or you're just showing that you've recovered well, like this stuff can matter, but it's not the most important thing. That said, People do some things that impress that can maybe get convince a team that they should take a flyer on them and draft them late or moves them up their draft board. So I want to talk about Oklahoma players since I have you, obviously. Um, and I want to start with a guy that, you know, as I mentioned, CeeDee Lamb, there's, there's this is a very, very deep wide receiver group in this draft. Now, obviously, we know Jerry Judy, uh, you know, um, uh, guy who also from Alabama because apparently every Alabama wide receiver should go number one. Um, Suggs. Yeah, Henry Suggs. Sorry, forgive me. Uh, and of course, CeeDee Lamb. You can throw in Jalen Rager from TCU, who I think a lot of people are starting to realize should probably be a first round draft pick as well. Um, how, what was most impressive to you about CeeDee Lamb, especially as someone who's watched him his whole time in Oklahoma, so has seen him do incredible things on the field already? What impressed you the most from him? And, and, and where did what do you think about his performance at the Combine and its potential for him on, on draft day? Um, I'm going to warn you before I give you my answer. I am, uh, I've always been an advocate for CeeDee Lamb. He's just, he's always been one of the most athletic players on the field to me. He just knows his timing incredibly well, and he's able to use his skills in the most effective way possible. So, you know, when I saw him in the combine, I was not surprised to see him excel. He, you know, for the past couple of seasons that I've been able to, you know, cover him and watch him play, he has just always continued to exude this level of being elite and doing, doing things that, you know, players at Oklahoma, Alabama, all those power five schools 
they know their level that they need to reach. And he's always, I feel like exceeded those levels. Like, I mean, you've watched Hollywood Brown the past year or so, and, you know, play for the Ravens and uh, he's just been incredible. And I definitely see CD lamb being in that upper echelon of wide receiver, um, the wide receiver base. So, I mean, when he went today and he had this, not today, but you know, this past weekend, when we watched him, there's this uh, drill he did where he just made this absolutely insane catch. And the public kind of freaked out a bit, but there have been so many plays for the past couple of years where I've seen CB Lamb do something similar to that. So, it, I mean, I love watching him, just seeing the things he does. It, he's like a freak, you know, like there's almost, there's not a lot of players who can do what he does. So I think um, this just upped his his draft stock for sure. If not, if it wasn't high already, which it should have been. No, look, I think to me, look, unless someone just likes somebody else more to me, he's the number two wide receiver off the board. And I think there's just, I think Jerry Judy's going to go number one. I'd be shocked if he didn't look the wild things happen. Who knows? Um, But I think Judy's the first one off, but I think CD lamb is number two. Um, I think there's a a number of potential landing spots. I'm not going to try and guess because uh, there's going to be trades that come down. There's going to be a lot of stuff that happens. Like I could argue maybe the Cardinals, if if Judy goes early or, you know, the, the Eagles could really use one. I know they're a little bit later down. I don't know if they can grab him, Um, but there's plenty. The jets, my goodness, the jets need some more weapons. Like he's to me, there's no way he falls out of the top 15. And honestly, I don't think he falls past the jets at number 11. I just, I I don't. Um, That's my opinion. I think he's the second one off the board. It's not because I don't think he's the second best wide receiver. Uh, Again, this wide receiver class is loaded. Like it's not just a, a, like depth of player it's just this talent is really good and i think he is at worst the second one out, second best one out there yeah i absolutely agree i mean just the way he you know changes his routes and shifts them to fit the pass like i don't like there's practically no pass that he can't catch and and if he can't catch it it was overthrown or underthrown and it was like it was it wasn't going to happen anyways so i think you could fit him in any nfl team and he will just push them to another level just with how athletic he is so and has a great football IQ too so I I agree with you I think he's definitely in the top 10. Another guy I want to bring up Kenneth Murray Um, I've seen some projections that have him as a first round pick potentially maybe a late first rounder Um, tough moment for him on his second 40 attempt looks like he he pulled a hamstring or injured his hamstring in some way Um, what have you heard regarding that and do you think that has any potential impact on his draft stock? I have been scoping the Schooners, the Sooner Scoops, the Sooners Wire, all the, you know, reputable resources I can to see if there is any information on that. And I have not found any additional information. I'm assuming it's just a pulled hamstring. If it's anything more than that, I don't think he wants the public or any NFL you know, coaches or recruiters to know that information. Um, I don't necessarily think it hurts his draft stock. You know, we know how athletic Kenneth Murray is. It's probably his best trait going into the NFL draft. Um, So it's not like he needed this draft to prove that he was more athletic than we saw him be in Oklahoma. Everyone knows of his abilities it's, you know, the way he reads plays and schemes that I think is more of the issue. So um, 
I don't think he needed these tests necessarily to up his draft stock at all. Yeah, no, like I, I, I think he's a, a late first rounder, but at worst, someone's going to be really happy when on the start of day two, they're able to draft Kenneth Murray. I think he's a, a really impressive guy. One other guy I want to talk about, obviously the, the other, I would say, big name for Oklahoma, is quarterback Jalen Hurts. Um, I think he, he impressed some people at the Combine. Um, like I said, what you do on the field, to me, like it, it can have an impact, but it, I don't think you should ever look at it and, and ignore what's happened on the field. I think at this point we know his issues um, as far as playing quarterback. And I, I'm curious, do did there anything that he did at the combine that maybe changed your opinion of him? Uh, and where do you see him in his draft potential? To be honest, there was nothing he did in the combine that really changed my opinion. It's it's really similar to the things I've seen him do this past season at Oklahoma. Uh, um, to me, I mean, I think he's a I think he's a first round draft pick. I sometimes think he's more of a glorified running back than he is a true quarterback in the way he throws and how he, you know, chooses, you know, in play action, he chooses more to run the ball or give it off to a running back. So um, nothing really, really shocked me when I saw him. I mean, he's a, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't too much of a shock. Neville Gallimore though, kind of shocked me with his speed a little bit. I hadn't watched him be that fast and to see him, you know, maybe up his draft stock a couple of couple of spots was nice to see because I know he's such a such a hard worker and has always put himself first for the team. So um, it, it was it put a smile on my face to see him do well in the combine. All right, Christine, um, this has been fun. I really enjoyed having you on. <laughs> oh, it was a great time. Thank you for having me. I really no, appreciate. It. Absolutely, like look, I enjoy this. I, like as I said, I am an OSU guy. I I follow all of the Big Twelve as a fan of the conference as a whole, but I do enjoy you guys' podcast. And that's something to say for having to listen to an OU podcast. Uh, you guys are very entertaining, and I appreciate it. Uh, so, with that said, Christine, I want everybody to check out the work that you do covering the Sooners and the Thunder. Uh, where can they do so? They can do so on Twitter. My handle is at CB on sports and I have a podcast with my co-host Ryan Chapman and um, that handle is sideline W pod. And we, we record podcasts twice a week. So just look for us on Apple podcasts. We're on SoundCloud sideline warning. And his handle is at radios. Ryan, if you want to follow him, he does a great job. He writes for the franchise. He writes for Oklahoma basketball, the thunder, but Thank you for listening to my podcast as an OSU fan. Like that means a lot coming from you. <laughs> no, absolutely. You guys are great. It's a ton of fun. I will say that. Um, so if you guys, whether you like the Sooners or not, you just enjoy a good, fun sports podcast, go give Sideline Warning a listen. Uh, Christine, as I said, this has been an absolute pleasure, and I can't wait to have you on again. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Podcast Network.